Hello, this is Chris. And this is Andrew, and welcome back to another episode of Video Games Cover to Cover. Uh, today, just like we talked about last week, we're going to be discussing Final Fantasy VII, specifically the initial section of the original game. And by initial section, I mean the entire Midgar section. Yeah, which Andrew thought was significantly longer than it actually was. Yeah, I mean, it was still a few hours, but it was I was definitely misremembering, and I even asked about that a little bit in our Discord. Like, was I misremembering or what? And everybody's like, yeah, it always feels a lot longer than it actually is. And clearly that's true. I know why. I know exactly why it feels longer. It's because of the stairs section. (laughs) I mean, that was like three of the six hours that I played. And I was like, are you kidding me? Is this ever going to end? But I guess before we get there, as of right now... The Final Fantasy VII Remake is still happening, but from the day that we're recording, it's, what is it, a week out? So, I just want to give everyone a heads up. The plan is to basically binge multiple hours of the game as soon as it comes out, record that Saturday, I will beast edit on Sunday <laughs> and hope that we can release by Monday. I don't want to make any promises, but I'm certainly going to try. Because I have no idea what's going to happen that week, but I've already taken time off. I'm ready to play. I mean, I mentioned that multiple episodes out at this point, but that is the plan. Hopefully, we don't have to miss a week. But if we do... Uh, just know that I'm still playing Final Fantasy VII Remake. <laughs> I wasn't able to tear myself away. Yes, if, if we miss something, it will be because Chris was literally too busy playing to record. Yeah. And even Final Fantasy VII, stopping where we did, I really didn't want to. I Once I got to the outside portion, I wanted to keep going. And I was like, ah, but we said we were only going to do Midgar, specifically for the remake. And then we would revisit the other game, you know, once the other sections came out, which I, I really want to know what their plan is, because how on earth we can talk about all that later. You know yeah, what? I mean, well, I mean, we could spend a little bit of time on it right now, because that's one of the things that we were discussing when we were talking about our plan to record this week was if this stays about as well as or like about where it has, I mean, well, from what we know the first part that's coming out is entirely Midgar and ends when you leave Midgar, which makes sense because that gives them more time to do things like build the world map. So I get it. But if how long section... <laughs> did they spend building out Midgar? Well, I mean, when I think about it, like the demo of the remake is just that first reactor section. And it took me probably an hour and a half to get through. Yeah. It's like five minutes in the original game. And that is true, but so so I guess the real question is, just from having new graphics, does that just really tell you that they had to put a lot more work into games? Well, yeah, but I mean, also they expanded it because, you know, it, like the, not just the graphics, but also it's just a larger map, which, you know, no, no, I no, expect. No, not, you're not getting what I'm saying. I'm saying a section like that in the remake takes an hour and a half, uh, but that's because like the battle system and everything like that and... 
What I'm saying is it took five minutes in the original game. So basically they focused more on the story than the graphical side of things. I mean, even though the graphics were revolutionary for the time, I'm just saying like, it feels like there's, I don't know. All I'm saying is if it's 60 hours of basically just extending the same things we've done, that's going to be incredibly boring because we just played it in the matter of like six hours. That's where I'm a little, like, I don't really know how I feel about the remake. I mean, I'm excited about it, but I definitely have a lot of concerns, and part of that is, don't get me wrong, Midgar has always been my favorite part of Final Fantasy VII, and I actually think the game kind of gets weaker the further it goes, which is probably a hot take that I'm throwing out there. Uh, I mean, considering but, it's only six hours and there was basically nothing to it, I'm really confused where you're coming from. But... My my point is, like, the whole conflict with Shinra and stuff, I I find much more interesting than what comes after that. And as you get further and further away from Midgar, Shinra becomes less important. And that's part of where I'm concerned about with the remake. So Shinra introduces you to the real bad guy, which in a sense is either his son and or Sethiroth. Well, I just meant Shinra as the company as a whole, but... And here's the thing, I know very little about Final Fantasy VII, because like I was saying in previous episodes, I've never played it before, but it seems like a very small section of the overall game. It sounds more like we need to track down Sethiroth at this point, and, and it's less important what happens to Shinra. I, I don't really care. It, it sounds like both us and Shinra are after the same thing for two different reasons. Well... I guess I'm just confused as to why you focused so hard on only the Shinra aspect. I, what I'm saying is I find the Shinra aspect more interesting. How could you find an uh, evil corporation more interesting than a dude with an eight-foot sword? Honestly, you want my hot take? I think Sephiroth is a terrible villain, and I always have. Wow. Wow. Why? I mean, I don't really want to go into it that much because... Then we're getting into a bunch of spoilers of later game stuff, but I'm just throwing that out there, and I know that that's a hot take and people are not going to be happy with that, but I've always thought that Sephiroth was very overrated. As compared to who? As compared to the the main villains of most of the Final Fantasy games, partially because I don't think he should actually be the villain of the story. I mean, from what I know of Final Fantasy VII, yeah. I mean, what he's trying to do... Kind of major villain stuff, like yeah. way more than Shinra the company itself. The Sh- Shinra the company itself basically just wants to rule everybody through money and fear. And that is not what Sephiroth wants. The Sephiroth stuff confuses a lot of the themes of the game and stuff. And But until we talk about, you know, again, I feel like I'm maybe putting the cart before the horse on that because especially since we're only going to be covering the Midgar section, Basically, we're never going to get there because who knows when these other games are coming out. I mean, it's true, but at the same time, like, I know you would not be happy with me if I just start rambling about things that come later, given how much you got upset about even extremely minor spoilers. I already... Andrew, Final Fantasy VII has been out for 15 years. I already know everything that happens. You literally just said you barely knew anything about the game. I don't know specifics, but I know the general story... I know the general layout. I know that Sethroth is essentially trying to murder everybody. Like, I am aware of what happens. 
in a general sense. I don't know details or specifics, but I, I'm pretty close. So, like, you giving me some game-ending spoiler is not going to... I watched you fight Sethroth, and he summoned <laughs> a meteor down, which essentially should have destroyed the whole planet because it explodes in Cloud's face. No, he makes the sun go supernova. Either way... <laughs> But it actually Everyone's starts from a meteor, so you're still right. Yeah. And somehow still alive. Yeah, it, it literally, the, the sun literally grows until it's like an inch away from your face. Yeah, it's amazing. I remember that. Oh, but he's a bad villain. How would Shinra have done that? Are they going to build about... some machine to, to expend a planet? Shinra would have to become, um, oh, geez. <laughs> First Order. I forgot the main villains of the new Star Wars movies. That's how much I cared about them <laughs> which is amazing given how much you care about star wars in general yeah uh mandalorian is like the best bit of star wars content that has come out in decades just like i mean i haven't seen clone wars so i can't i can't speak to clone wars although i've heard very very good things i was gonna just, say yeah i hear that clone wars is extremely good there's way too many episodes for me to get invested into it now especially considering i like anime way more but regardless I've heard very good things about Clone Wars, but Mandalorian Rebels, the is Rebels like show is supposed to be really good too. Significantly better than those movies. If they had put like half as much effort into the movies that they did Mandalorian, these new ones. Admittedly, I really like Ray. I really like Ray. I really like Finn, and I really like Poe. I like those three from the first movie of the new ones, and then it just everything just kind of like. It's basically like they just crumpled every single idea they could come up with into a giant ball and then just threw it at a screen and was like, hey, here you go. Now, see, now we're getting into other things that I can go on rants about, and I'm already, like, staking out a really controversial position with my Sephiroth opinion, so I should probably leave my Star Wars opinions out of this. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Like, I'm really mad at you for that because, again, as compared to who? You think Sethroth is a worse villain than Jekt? In terms of... The, is Jekt really the, the main villain? I mean, Sin as a whole and Yevon are the main villain, right? Fine. Sin and Yevon. Uh, yes, I do think Sephiroth is worse than them. How? There's literally nothing to that plot. It's just a never-ending cycle of, hey, this thing comes back and kills everybody and everyone's super scared of it oh, it's going to happen again in 10 years. It just repeat the cycle over and over and over. That's like blanket, just boring. And what about the villain uh, from Final Fantasy X-2? Which I don't even know who the villain is, and we literally played that. The not-Titus guy? Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't, a super, he wasn't a super great villain either. I'm not... A lot of the Final Fantasy games, I think their villains aren't amazing, but it's just the way... I can still enjoy the games. I, like, I, I really like Final Fantasy VII. That doesn't mean I have to think Sephiroth is amazing. I never said you have to think he's amazing, but th immediately the first thing you did was, he's a garbage villain. I didn't say garbage. I, just, I don't think he should be the villain of the game, first of all. Why should Shinra... So, so I guess that's the question, though. Why should Shinra be the villain versus Sephiroth? Like, what, you think it's better to just be like, oh, mega evil corporation copy and paste that from literally every other medium that has done that, and boom, here's Final Fantasy VII's story. 
I don't think the story would have blown up nearly as much as it did if it was just another, oh, here's an evil corporation destroying the planet. I'm not sure why you think the evil corporation is a copy-paste thing, but the single villain out to destroy the world isn't. I never said that he wasn't. Well, that's what I mean. Like, that's, they're both copy-paste ideas, so I'm not really sure that that makes the Shinra one worse because of that, because Sephiroth has the same problem. Because you're saying it's a better villain than Sephiroth. I, that's I do exact- think it's a better villain. What I, I guess but what that's I'm exactly not- what I'm getting at. Why do you think it's a better villain when they're both copy and paste from other mediums? Shinra as a villain fits better with the ecological concept of the game and Sephiroth being the villain whose motivation is basically humanity is destroying the world and I need to destroy it makes him the evil version of your exact group and I don't like the way they did that because then it turns around and basically implies that Avalanche is wrong from the beginning which is really not the case. How does Sephiroth being an evil version of Avalanche mean Avalanche is wrong? How are you coming to that distinction? Because they both have the same motivation, but Sephiroth is the guy that we everybody turns all their focus on and to destroy. And it basically just winds up saying that, you know, all these real-world parallel issues like pollution and the destroying the environment and all the stuff that actually matters gets pushed aside because it's actually about this one evil dude. Like, it, it loses the ability for it to be actually about something important. But I disagree with you there, because... At no point is Barrett ever still not mad at Shinra, to my knowledge. There's a bit late in the end of one of the Final Fantasy VII pieces of media where Barrett gets really excited that they discovered oil and they can burn it. Well, so Barrett's just a hypocrite. Exactly. That's what I'm getting at. Like, I mean, Barrett is just goes, a hypocrite, but that's... The further, <laughs> the further it goes, the less it gets away from what actually makes it interesting. That's what I'm getting at. But this, but here, here's the other thing, though, Andrew... We, as a society, didn't know that oil was bad until many, many years after we had already been using it. Oil and coal. Nobody, humans didn't know that that was a bad thing for the environment until many, many decades later that we were like, oh, hey, this is having a real impact. Yeah. So you expect Barrett to have that information immediately? That doesn't make any sense. In the universe, oil and coal is what they used to use, and they replaced it with Mako. But that's just because Shinra won. Where I'm going with this is, in the game as it's presented originally, Mako is pretty clearly a nuclear power thing, and it's about the evils of nuclear power. I'm going to be really curious if they basically stick with that, or if they do turn around and make it fossil fuels, which is what kind of makes more sense anyway, since it's, you know, the lifeblood of the planet and all that. So... I'm really hoping that they do go a little bit more on the fossil fuels angle than trying to stick to the nuclear power type angle. But as you're saying, like as we've gone further in as a society, it's much clearer that that's really the one that's the problem, not nuclear power. But I don't know. See, like if if, I, but that's if why nuclear think, power was the lifeblood of the planet, then I would still be just as bad. Okay. In yes. this universe, Mako energy is the lifeblood of the planet, whereas sure. nuclear energy you can argue is bad for other reasons because what do you do with all the waste which is incredibly dangerous to basically everything around it i guess what i'm trying to say is if it's still a nuclear power analogy i'm gonna feel like they miss the mark a lot 
because at this point we really know a lot better that the, it really should be a like an oil analogy. It makes much more sense to be that. I agree that as a society, nuclear energy is far and away the better solution right now, provided we put a significant amount of time and energy into cleaning up nuclear waste. Well, sure. I mean, any power generation is going to have problems that we have to plan around. Exactly. But it's far better for the planet than coal and... Just fossil fuels. And fossil, yeah, fossil fuels. And... and No better does that make more sense than Italy right now, considering everything that's going on. Look at the channel. Now there's fish and dolphins that are coming back in because all the people are gone. If that isn't a very power, (laughs) well, it's because the water isn't mega polluted anymore. Because there isn't constantly people. There isn't. It's like there. There is so much pollution that was there, and so much activity that was there that just isn't there now because there's no people around. Yeah. If that, that isn't a perfect analogy for we should immediately stop doing all this bad stuff. I mean, if, if, if people don't at least learn that message from this whole deal, then as a society, we're mega screwed anyway. But not to get too much into real world stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying that doesn't really answer if Sethoroth is just the evil version of Avalanche... That just means that, like, an evil version of the good guys is super bad. How is that not the same as any... If you look... Here's the other thing, Andrew. If you turn it around and look at it from Sethoroth's perspective, he's a good guy. If you look at it from Sethoroth's and the planet's perspective, he is a good guy. Because the humans are destroying everything, and if he gets rid of all them, then it will be a promised land. Well, also, he's being mind-controlled by an alien, but, you know. <laughs> Which is also part of why I feel like it misses the point, because all of a sudden the real villain is an alien, not the problems that we have on our own planet. That's the confusing part that I never really ran into. I never understood the whole Genova aspect of any of this. And especially when they did the Advent Children or whatever, that movie where... Basically, they just yeah. used an excuse to bring back Sethoroth by having some guy, like, take in a bunch of Genova stuff, and now suddenly he's transformed into Sethoroth. That really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That was definitely super confusing, but whatever. I'm just going to dismiss that, because basically everybody in that movie was super cool. Yeah, I mean, it's just a movie of, look, let's look at all the characters from this game being super awesome, which is fine. <laughs> I also completely forgot about that part of it. That was how he came back. I just remember them fighting. Yeah, he just he basically drinks a bunch of Genova goop and suddenly turns into Sethoroth. And then after Cloud beats him, he turns back into himself somehow. Like, that really doesn't make any sense. I'm really I, confused. L- listen, all I'm saying is, I think you're giving Sethoroth a really bad rap just because he's not the villain you wanted. I'm just saying, Sephiroth is the sort of, like, he's the sort of thing that I would have found really cool, like, back when I first played it, but the older I've gotten and as my opinions on things change, I'm like, he's really just kind of there, and I feel like he makes the game worse, not better. Because, yeah, when I first played it, back when I was in, like, I don't know, middle school or whenever it was, yeah, Sephiroth was super cool. But he's really not, the more I think about it. You could say that for just about any villain. 
you, and, I mean, yeah, you can say that for Shinra change. too. Well, that's what it, that's the thing. It's obviously, tastes are going to change, but the older I've gotten, the more I think that Shinra is the people who really should be the focus of the game. I mean, like it's a the whole Shinra thing is basically your cyberpunk dystopia, except not as much on the cyberpunk side, but. You can do a lot of cool stuff with that. I mean, Midgar as the city of, you know, with the literal underclass of people who live below the plates and things like that. I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff that goes a little bit beyond the typical evil corporation stuff that they could really have run with. The idea of an entire game in Midgar is I'm more excited about part one of the remake than the rest of it, at least at this point, because I'm really interested in in them expanding out Midgar a bunch. I mean, obviously, I'm still going to play the rest of the parts when they come out, and I'm sure we'll talk about them. But the Midgar section is just... It presents so much promise of a Final Fantasy VII that I would have liked to see. And then it goes and becomes like every other Final Fantasy as soon as you leave, and I can't help but be a little disappointed. So, basically, it's the pirate section of Kingdom Hearts Three. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's the part that if every part of the game had been like this, I would have been a lot happier. <laughs> and, and and that's the thing. You know, even in Kingdom Hearts 3, you were a murderous pirate during that whole section. In Avalanche, you basically just murdered a whole bunch of innocent people. So it definitely seems like that's your deal. Because I will have to say... You're the one who was super into the pirate section, though, to be clear. Like, I mean, I liked it, but you were really about the pirate section. It was way better than the rest of the game. I don't disagree. So if you don't disagree, then <laughs> what? But I'm just saying, don't pretend that you weren't also all about that pirate thing. No, 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 yes, but I'm not all on Avalanche's side either, like you apparently are. Avalanche is way, way worse than Shinra as a company in general. I do not know how you come to that conclusion. Not They're not worse than Shinra as a company. That's not what I meant. But Avalanche is... Not the all happy-go-lucky heroes that you bring them out to be. In that first section of Final Fantasy VII, the very first thing you do is blow up a whole section. You blow up a reactor. That's not an entire section. You blow up a reactor, and then you find out that a whole bunch of people died in that explosion. So essentially, you just didn't care about the consequences and blew up a section without worrying about all the civilian deaths who were just doing their jobs. So how does that make you a good guy? Okay, and again, then we can be talking about some of the more interesting dilemmas, but again, all of this immediately gets forgotten as soon as you leave Midgar and it just becomes, let's go find Sephiroth. So, see, now because you're kind of talking about the same thing. Because you are initially definitely a bad guy. I don't think that's true, that you're definitely the bad guy. It's definitely... You're a bad guy. A- do it. You're basically Dexter. You're a bad guy taking out another bad guy. See, uh, like, I mean, th- there's, a, there's a lot of room to talk about whether Avalanche is the bad guys or not, but again, that would be you a much more interesting... You kill innocent co- civilians. Yes, you are the bad guy, period. Just like you're the bad guy in the Kingdom Hearts... in the pirate section of Kingdom Hearts 3. You kill innocent people. You're definitely the bad guy in this scenario. Like, period. As soon as you murder an innocent civilian, you're a bad guy. Just because you're doing it to quote-unquote save the planet doesn't make the cause any more just. You've still killed people, people who were just doing their jobs. Arguably, you become the good guys when you stop just going around randomly killing people and focus specifically on one guy. Well, if the remake is to be believed anyway, that was also Shinra's fault and not Avalanche's. 
So they changed that for the remake. Was that changed in the original game too? Do you find out in a cutscene later that that was actually their fault? Or is that something they just did in the remake to make you look worse than you actually are? It's one of those things that never really... I get this again, like, basically as soon as you leave Midgar, nothing that happened in Midgar ever comes up again. Which is so strange and disappointing. Other than, oh, Rufus is the president of the company now. It's strange and disappointing that you aren't all labeled as murderers and immediately tracked down by the police. Okay, if we're going to go down this route, then now we're basically talking about literally every character in every piece of fiction that has existed is basically a bad guy, which we can have that argument on a philosophical level, but let's be real. Because, especially in the realm of video games, nobody doesn't have blood on their hands, right? I agree with that, but that doesn't... What you're doing is, you're basically... You're saying Sethroth sucks versus Shinra when you and Shinra go after a common enemy when Sethroth becomes, like, way worse than both of you combined. And essentially what you're saying is you'd rather have a game where you go around and kill innocent people in order to stop Shinra the company than go after a guy who's arguably way worse than them. I mean, you seem really hung up on the fact that we absolutely must be murdering innocents under your version of the game and not that we couldn't be the good guys in some other capacity. They quite literally said that in one of the... TV I things. Understand? I mean, but even at that point, what about all the security guards and stuff? I mean, like, at the end of the day, like, there's no getting, you know, that that's the, any random encounter in any video game that's ever happened, you're a murderer. Like, I, I, I just, and, and yes, Not maybe necessarily, we are, no, because I'm not talking about the security guards, Andrew. They're, they're paid to fight people who come in. They're literally basically saying, I will die for this company. So I agree with everything that they're saying. A random maintenance worker who just shows up to fix an air conditioner is the definition of an innocence. I'm not saying for 100% positivity that there is some random innocent there. All I know is from the news story in the actual game itself, you're all labeled as mega terrorists because you killed a bunch of innocent people in this attack. Okay. And yes, of course, Shinra is probably going to massage it in that direction, but there's That's no actually, way to tell for sure that you're not killing innocent people in the process of blowing up one of these reactors. Shinra is way worse than you. Yes, I agree with that because they dropped an entire plate on a d- whole city. And then said it was your fault. In the second reactor, they did exactly what they do in the first reactor in the remake where they blow it up and then say it was your fault anyway. So, like... I mean, but they didn't get that idea until you attacked them in the first place. Sure. I'm not disputing that, but I guess what I'm saying is, and obviously you disagree and that's fine. I'm saying that that conflict between them is more interesting than the Sephiroth conflict to me. And all I'm trying to say from that aspect, you're, you would definitely be in the wrong that entire game. You're basically Dexter. You're killing bad guys for the good of everyone i don't agree that in the context of the game that avalanche is the bad guys but you're welcome to that opinion okay cool so you're soup okay from from the entire conversation we just had you're basically saying avalanche is 100 percent right for killing that's random literally people. not what i said and that is repeatedly what not what i said no i said they're not the bad guys in this scenario because but they definitely are bad guys. 
you can have done bad things and still be the good guy because, again, are the rebels in Star Wars the bad guys because random people will die when they blow up an Imperial base? Yes. Okay, then literally everyone who's ever existed in movies is a bad guy, which is fine. That's an opinion you can have. I don't agree with it. So you think it's it's super cool to just kill random people as long as you're the one that wins in the end and writes the history books that say you're right? How do you enjoy any media if you think every single person who's existed is bad? Like, I don't understand. You just seem to be arguing, I don't care. But you seem to be so fervent that you're not the bad guys in this scenario when there's so much evidence to suggest that you are not good people. You're basically arguing that Sephiroth is superior because of all of this stuff about how Avalanche is bad people and stuff. And all I'm saying is you can still be a hero in a story and not every single thing you do is good. I never once said that I felt Sephiroth was superior for these reasons. Andrew. Okay, then why do you think Sephiroth is superior? Because that's been how we got on this entire subject. I don't care who is superior. You were the one that was sitting there saying you were. You were the one that was sitting there saying that Sephiroth sucks compared to Shinra, and I'm trying to get to the bottom of that. I don't care. You abs. There is no way you have had this argument for this long and not cared because I have been trying to say. That's my opinion, let's move on, and then you kept going back to it like five times now. <laughs> because your opinion doesn't make any sense. Which means I'm trying to make sense of your opinion. If you truly did not care, you wouldn't keep going back to it. I just care that my co-partner is not super okay with being a murderer. That's all I God. care about. <sighs> I just want you to admit that Avalanche are not good guys. They're just not. Like, they're good in the sense of what their mission is doing. What they are doing is good, but how they get there does not make them good. It is the exact same thing that happens in so many other mediums, like the assassins are like, or let's get nuts. Dominic Toretto in Fast and Furious is very clear that he is not a good person, but he is doing things in the later movies, for the greater good. But he is very clear about not being a good guy. Avalanche can be the same. Your argument is that they can't possibly be. From I have, my I have said that exact sentence that you're yet complaining about multiple times in this conversation, that you can be the good guy in the context of the story and not everything you do is a good thing. Thank I have you. said that exact sentence multiple times. I... I'm going to look through this audio, and if if that is true, when I listen to this episode, Andrew, I will do some grand gesture right here about how wrong I am and how apologetic I am and how so sorry I am for all of this argument and all of this 38 minutes that we've been talking about specifically why you hate Sethroff so much compared to Shinra. Now, I know that this is going to come as a shock to many of you out there, but Andrew was right and I was wrong. <gasps> this can't be true! It turns out that he did say 
that exact sentence just a few minutes before. So here you go, Andrew. This is your fanfare. Hope you like it. And yes, just in case you are wondering, I did teach my dog to howl just for this moment. Because here's the thing. I don't care. But what I do know is, the game starts off on a train. A train is coming into the city. And then a bunch of guys are dispatched. I, for the sake of my game, am... I hit the option for pacifism, so I know that they didn't die. They were just simply knocked out. There's an option on the newer versions of the game that allows you to be like pacifist only. And at the end of the battle, they do this whole thing. It takes like 20 minutes where they heal everybody up and then they like, they send them back to wherever. And then it's a really so long it, process. Basically, you're saying that you become Batman and you just beat everybody really badly, but somehow they're okay. <laughs> yes. I am Batman <laughs> in my playthrough. Well, first off, I had a whole bunch of issues getting the game to work because I had it purchased on Steam, but Steam apparently does not like the Xbox joystick for some reason. I don't know why. Every single time I wanted to play it, I would have to boot up The Witcher, get The Witcher to... Shameless Witcher plug. uh, (laughs) Get The Witcher to recognize my joystick, quit The Witcher, then turn on Final Fantasy VII, and then suddenly it would notice my keystrokes. And I'm like, screw that. I went over to my PlayStation 4, because I didn't want to set up my PlayStation 3 and was like, 15 bucks, cool. That was really annoying because there was no way I was going to deal with that every single time I was going to play this game. That is very strange. Yeah, it was really and weird. I'm, I'm wondering, is it actually a Steam thing or is it the computer port of Final Fantasy VII being really Pretty weird? sure it's the computer port of Final Fantasy VII because every other Steam game that I've used works just perfectly. Yeah, but this one say. had some weird launcher associated with it. It brought up the Square Enix launcher that had like key mappings and stuff. And in there, there was a joystick option that just would never illuminate. No matter what I did, it would just never show up. Until I proved that there was a joystick by having Witcher open. Which is just infinitely odd because I also resunk my joystick multiple times and it still never worked. So it, it was incredibly... It was a weird issue, but regardless... You're on a train, train comes into the station, you take out some guys, and Cloud shows up, and he's a huge dick to everybody. So, before we go too far into this, I do want to ask, like, the one time that you were able to get the Steam version to work or whatever, had it been updated with the extra stuff that apparently they added to the PS4 version? I don't know what extra stuff there is. because, like, there's... A, the graphics were definitely improved, although I think that was just to make it so that it would work okay on HD TVs. There's no way I would know the difference. But the the big thing was, like, on the main menu, there was suddenly a trailer for the remake? No, that did not exist on the PC version. Okay. I was just curious about that, because... My guess is, probably because the PC version does not come out for a year, because they have yeah. exclusivity on PlayStation. That was kind of what I was wondering, is if it's just because of the... Well, and also, like, the PS4 version got updated to have trophies and stuff, so I know they had gone in to do work to it. Because it wasn't just like... Like, if you download Final Fantasy IX, it still just plays, like, under PS1 emulator, basically, but the Final Fantasy VII doesn't, because they went in and did stuff to it. It 
I just thought that was interesting. But anyway, continue. Yeah, I did remember that you had trophies or that there were trophies and stuff. And I was like, really? I Why would they go through all that trouble? But okay. Maybe just to get people excited because they assume people are going to play through the original. The only That's thing that I do I really want is Bahamut Zero. I really, really want Bahamut Zero. Space Bahamut. <laughs> yes, Space Bahamut. That's the one thing that I really, really want. I wonder if it'll even be in the first game. Oh, in the Midgar section? There's no way. Because so, so, well, obviously there's a bunch of stuff that wasn't in the Midgar section of the original game that's going to exist now. Like, Because there are definitely summons because there's a pre-order to get the Chocobo summon or whatever. Well, and so that's really... That is going to be very confusing from my aspect. So is every single game... Are they going to do the the stupid, oh, Cloud has to start from level one again? Or would they just make it awesome and just pour everything over from one game to the other and just recognize that everything is going to have to be like super mega ultimate powerful by the end? And well, and if they do that, though, then you'd have to have, I mean, because that would be like what they did with the dot hack games, which is super cool. But at that point, you would also have to do it that. If you didn't play the previous versions, you could get, like, a pre-made cloud and everybody who was already at a certain level. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, you couldn't start out at one, because I wouldn't expect them to program an entire game for, if somebody's brand new, do this. (laughs) If somebody's new, run this 18 gigabytes. If they're not, run this 18 gig. Although I'm well, pretty sure it's insane. I think it's like 50 or 60 gigs. Or no, I was about to say, um, according to what I was reading recently, because I was reading some stuff just to confirm that I wasn't wrong when I said that like it, part one was supposed to be just Midgar and things like that and how long it was going to be because I was having a conversation with some friends. But apparently it's clocking in at over 100 gigabytes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's insane. It's like Red Dead Redemption 2 sized, basically. I really don't know what they're going to do. That really confuses me. I I really, I would hate it if they did the cloud has to start from level one again, because you're going to work on all your materia and all your everything like that. Assuming materia and everything is still a thing, which I'm pretty sure it is. I don't think they could get rid of materia because it's such a fundamental concept and actually important within the context of the story. So oh, I don't know. They didn't really so, get into that. Ma- mater- in- materia is literally, like, it's concentrated Mako. Okay. Or so, you like, could liter- argue that it's spheres from Final Fantasy X. Well, you could, yeah, but that, that would say that the spheres are the life stream. I mean, like, there's all sorts of that if you take the ten and seven are the same universe, which I personally think is super cool. That is but, the one thing I'd really like. That if they actually confirmed that they were from the same universe, I'd be very happy. Although, if you play um, Final Fantasy XIV, which I know you don't, but if you did... At this point, 14 has basically established that literally every game in the series takes place on the same world. Because there are plays and stuff that you can watch that are all supposed to be based on true stories according to the game, and dungeons and things you can do that are all based on the other Final Fantasy games, and it's really cool. Man, this world has really had a messed up... So, right? <laughs> so, so I guess that begs the question that in every single Final Fantasy... Does the world actually get destroyed in the end, and what it's doing is just resetting every time? Well, I guess, again, if you take Final Fantasy XIV to be true, then, yeah, basically, since they explicitly did that in the lore of Final Fantasy XIV. Cool. Because since the original XIV was an absolute pile of garbage, they literally shut the entire game down and rebuilt it, 
And when they did that, they had Bahamut come in and destroy the world. And then everybody references the destruction of the world and how nobody can remember exactly what happened, but they're pretty sure it was a big thing. Was it Bahamut Zero? I don't think so. I think it was just regular Bahamut. Because <sighs> Zero has literally only existed in Seven. That's, that's upsetting. Well, I know that, but Bahamut from Final Fantasy X is not strong enough to destroy the entire world. I mean, Mega Flare is powerful, but his Kamehameha is not big enough to destroy everything. <laughs> it might have just been that one continent. I'm not sure. Since I think 14 technically only takes place on one continent. <laughs> All of this stuff is occurring throughout the entire world. And nobody cares about the rest of the world because they're all stuck dealing with all their nonsense. <laughs> right, yeah. It's just, it's just this one planet that's just constantly undergoing, like, a hundred crises at the same time, and each game is just one of them. Then you see, like, over on Arcot, it's like, oh, I guess the good guys won. There was a giant supernova, but somehow we're still good. <laughs> oh, there's this weird giant floating thing that occasionally comes over and attacks us. It's kind of weird, but whatever. They kill it, like, every ten years, but it only takes out an island or two. Once it gets confused and realizes it's in the wrong section, it goes back to where it's supposed to go. That happened for, like, what, 1,500 years or something insane? But, whatever. Okay, plot twist. And they could do this, since they I'm pretty sure they own this now, because it was an Enix property, but in the Star Ocean games... The plot twist of the third game was they literally did the entire universe as a simulation and you get to leave the simulation. So that's really what's happening this whole time. I would hate that. That'd be so much more. <laughs> I hate that. It, it, there's one trope that I absolutely hate. It's that one. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I loved the fact that you could go into a Matrix simulation in Saints Row 4. I absolutely loved it, but I hated the whole Nothing matters, and you're just back to normal, because it's like, ugh, that just sucks. Well, to be fair, it wasn't that nothing matters and you're just back to normal, because doesn't, like, the entire planet literally get destroyed in Saints Row 4? I think so, yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. You can't get back into the simulation. I think you go back into it at the very end of the game just to defeat the guy, but there's a certain part where it's literally just you without superpowers when you've had superpowers and relied on them literally the entire game. You don't just be like Neo in 3 and just suddenly have superpowers outside of the game too, which is unfortunate. <laughs> That's why I don't like those simulation things, because then you always go back into the real world and it's like... <sighs> well, in I think... I mean, don't get me wrong, it was kind of weird in the concept of Star Ocean and stuff too, but I did find it interesting because that was literally just a justification for why, you know, the enemies in this section are a much higher level because you're in the real world now. So it's not like you lost any of your stuff, but these things are much stronger because you're basically data fighting real things. Don't get me wrong. Having there be, just like any elements of a game, there's always different ways to explain, like, yeah. these things are more powerful here and these things. It's hard to do that in a planet where literally anything can walk unless you're traveling between islands. It's like... <laughs> these pigs just happen to have a harder life over here, so they're like super pigs and, and can destroy you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, anytime I you think don't... about it with RPGs, it gets kind of weird because of that exact thing. It's like, why doesn't the last town, right before the final dungeon or whatever, just send, like, a team of random kids back to the beginning of the game and solve everybody's problem from the start? <laughs> because they've got all this hardcore stuff going on. That's the thing. <laughs> Everyone has their own problems to deal with, and they're like, 
we can't send our champions over there because we'll all die. Do you have any idea what's going on over here? It's like they're constantly asking for help and they're like, do you not see this giant thing? This this <laughs> giant over here constantly destroying us? Like, we can't spare anyone. You can deal with your bunny rabbits. We quite literally can't. But I've got all these rats in my cellar that I need you to deal with. Oh, jeez. So you destroy the first reactor. <laughs> yeah. Which, again, obviously, like I said, it took like an hour and a half in the demo of the remake. It was a really cool hour and a half, don't get me wrong. That's the thing, like, I didn't realize that in the demo, I was like, gee, Cloud's like, he's a real dick. Why yep. is he being so mean to everybody? And then I get in this game, and you have no choices. You're just a giant dick the whole time, and I'm like, wow. So I idolize Cloud basically my entire young adult life. is basically just a giant a-hole the whole time. Not the whole time, I mean... Well, yes, uh, he turns into less of a jerk basically immediately after... Immediately once he realizes that there's way more problems than just, oh, Barrett's just a crazy guy who... He's basically treating Garrett or, or Barrett like he's just a crazy, insane dude who is just blowing well, I mean, up these reactors it, it, for no reason. It's not even that. Because, I mean, the big thing with Cloud is he's just basically just putting on an act the whole time because he wants to be a super cool, tough guy. And so he just pretends he is. Yeah, I know that. He's... Isn't he like a clone or something? And Well, he was like never actually in Soldier. Yeah. He always wanted to be, and that was always his dream, but it wasn't but he him. Never, he never actually, like, he, he does wind up working for Shinra, but he's only ever a security guard. Mm -hmm. And then he just basically tells everybody he was a soldier and stuff, so he acts like how he thinks a soldier should act. Yeah. And so he's just kind of stoic the whole time. Because he thinks that, you know, the elite super soldier is going to act like a dick to everybody because he's better. Than Can Jesse die in that section if you don't help her? No, because you can't leave. Oh, okay. She has to do one of the passwords, so if you try to leave without her, you have to go back for her. <laughs> oh, wow. So if you're a jerk and you're just like, whatever, die, that's why your 20, 30 minutes comes into play. Because in, in the remake, you get 20 or 30 minutes you get to choose. Yeah. And Barrett chides you either way. Yeah. And, and in the I did the 20 game, when I did the remake, but... Yeah, so did I. Oh, confident, huh? Well, my wife did the 30, and he was basically like, You think that's gonna be enough time? And it's like, wow, Barrett, okay. I, You know, I'm not entirely upset that Cloud is a giant douche to you, because you're basically just a giant douche back, so it, yeah. I guess it all works out. I mean, it, it, it is interesting, just because... Like, you don't usually have those sorts of party dynamics in the beginning of something like this. I mean, a lot of times they don't necessarily always get along, but they're very rarely as openly hostile to each other as, as Cloud and Barrett are at the beginning of the game. Yeah, because Barrett even tries to open up to him every once in a while, and Cloud is just still just... Like, I don't care, shut up. Like, leave me alone, shut up, I don't care about any of you. Jesse is swooning all over him, and he's like... Which they played that up a lot in the remake. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I knew that was always a thing. It was pretty clear that she liked him, even in the little bits of the... Here's the thing. If they're extending yeah, but... Midgar, it's very possible that she may be, like, assuming that they do this like they do in every single Final Fantasy, force relationships in there, which... Well, I mean, 
Go ahead. How on earth would you do that? I'm not even going to call it forcing relationships in there because that was already a mechanic in Final Fantasy VII of who does Cloud wind up hanging out with in particular scenes and stuff. Like I understand that, thing- that, but that's the first six hours of the game. Well, yes. Which I've already set myself up to hopefully date Tifa. But, I mean, even after that, when you're out on the world map and stuff, like... Because there's a section where you can go on a late night date and your possibilities are any of the girls in the party or Barrett. I know. That's what I was talking about. I've already set myself up to hopefully get that date with Tifa. Right. But that's what I mean. Like, Seven already had the, you know, try to date different people. So throwing that in there and then including Jesse as an option, the only thing that would be weird is that she's not a party member. Well, But maybe she will be in a game that covers entirely through mid And that's what I'm saying. But what would be really awkward is if they had a relationship in this game, period, that didn't, if, if there was some secret relationship marker that went through all the games and then at the very end there's some grand like, here's your relationship or whatever, that would be so cool. But if they force a relationship in this Midgar section, that's going to be real awkward for essentially everybody if cloud in this midgar section if everybody's like oh well jesse was a super cool option and she's definitely like the best out of all the girls or whatever like nobody wants eris nobody wants tifa everybody wants jesse and then jesse dies for whatever reason because she's not in the rest of the game because it definitely makes it seem like she's dead at the end of this section oh yeah no no it is it's official that everybody in avalanche but your party died so if she's dead, then it's like, oh, hey, Tifa, Eris, I mean, what's up? I mean, to be fair, a lot of games have done that with, like, the Mass Effect series. It was definitely possible to be in relationship with people who would then die. But but then know, to immediately pick up and have a relationship with somebody else in the very yeah, next the, game? Yes, absolutely. That's so awkward. <laughs> You have to party with this person. So Tifa has to sit there through an entire... So basically, Cloud just has a whole harem with him at all times. Because, like, I'm pretty sure in Mass Effect, it even gives you different dialogue based on, like, the situation of your last romance when the new game starts. Because it could be, oh, yeah, you're still dating this person, but, you know, they're not in this game, so you're just kind of, like, kind of in a separation or whatever. Or, no, they're totally dead. That's going to be so awkward later. And and it almost, if that's an option, almost makes me want to do it. Just to be in that awkward situation of, so, Tifa, childhood friend, what's <laughs> up? You hated me all through Midgar and only wanted Jesse. I'm like, I know, but Jesse's dead now, so we got to move on. How could you hate Tifa, though? She's amazing. Why? No, I already told you I'm setting up to hopefully beat <laughs> No, I know. I was just saying. I have a hot take, again, in this I like Tifa more than I like Eris. I also like Tifa more than Eris. But I don't really know much of anything about Eris because all I know of her is she gets... Con- There's one thing that I absolutely hate so far about this game is Materia is essentially everything. And the whole point of Materia is the more you use it, the stronger it gets. So like Fire 2, whatever... And obviously, I didn't level up any of my materia in this section. Yeah, no, you basically don't have enough time to to do that. What I'm mad about, what I'm most angry about is I am trying to make sense of everything. So I'm trying to give certain people 
certain materia that makes sense. So like Eris, for example, is basically useless at everything but using magic. That's not actually true once you figure out the fact that the game puts her in the back row for some reason. What do you mean? What? 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 Back row? So Final Fantasy VII and a lot of the Final Fantasies prior to this has a front row and a back row. If you're in the back row, you take half damage but deal half damage with your attacks. Eris is the only character who, by default, starts in the back row. If you move her to the front row, she's just as capable as everybody else. Is that why her picture is moved to the side? Yep, because she's in the back row. It's weird. Where does it explain that? It doesn't, because Final Fantasy VII was in the era where you read the instruction book and they didn't tutorial everything. But yeah, no, that's, that's why. Like, she's still, you know, the weakest physically, but she is not, like... If you don't realize that she's in the back row, it feels like she does, like, half as much damage as everybody else, but that's why. I'm going to leave. Which is especially important, because that's how you get extra limit breaks and stuff, is by successfully killing enemies, and if you leave her in the back row forever, she's never going to do that. An unnecessary amount of silence. And I know you're editing this episode, but if you don't put it in there, and I listen to it, and it's not there, which I have to listen to it, because I have to do my grandstanding apology... (laughs) assuming you actually said those things and maybe i just missed or was confused but whatever i'll do it i will make that i will do it because i'm at home and i have nothing else to do unless you of course don't get me this episode until like the day before it releases because then i'm just not going to have time i'll listen i gotta get it to you early enough that because once the remake comes out, I'm not going to have time to edit. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, so, so you better do it before April 10th. So I had no idea that there was a back row. No clue. And later on, there's a section because we basically just split this. We basically done an entire episode without really talking about the game in general, just bickering back and forth about Shinra, Sethroth, and, and Avalanche, which here's the thing. You already knew that you were going to catch a bunch of flack for that hot oh, take anyway. So the fact that I'm giving you a bunch of flack for it shouldn't be a surprise anyway, except for the fact that I don't really care. (laughs) So no one needs to give you flack for it because I've already chided you for 30 minutes on end. Oh yeah, no, I was not, it was not a surprise. I knew full well what I was walking into by dropping that take. But I also have Sethiroth's sword in real life. And the Buster Sword. No, I had to throw away the Buster Sword because it rusted and... Oh no. The hilt broke. Turns out... um, a sword that size isn't really meant to be used. And not that I was able to use it as a sword, but, you know, just picking it up and putting it on my shoulder or whatever and occasionally moving it, the whole sword just kind of fell off the hilt. Yeah, whatever. That's cool. That's an 80 bucks I'm not going to get back. And it's basically just one giant sheet of metal. I quite literally could have just bought a sheet of metal for, like, $10, cut it out myself, which would have taken a really long time with a hacksaw or whatever, but I could have easily just done that and put a cheap handle on it and boom, $80, which now that I'm thinking about it, I know what I'm going to do with this whole coronavirus stuff. I'm going to go get a bunch of sheet metal and make buster swords and just do nothing but make buster swords all day. And then charge $60 because it's cheaper than what other people are charging online. At least back when I bought it. But there's a section on an elevator where, for some reason, Barrett just decides all the time that the entire party has to split up. Because instead of just saying, hey, 
the whole party's with you. You can just only th- use three people. For some unknown reason in this section, your party has to constantly be split up. So when that happens, there's a button that's like, do you want to take all your material off of these people and put it onto these people? And I'm like, okay. And I do that. And then I'm like, okay, well, I'm probably going to have some time to, to go through all this. No, you don't, because immediately you're going down an elevator, and now I've got Barrett, Red, and Eris on that elevator, and, or no, it was just, no, 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 no. it's It's Barrett, Barrett, Red, Red, and Eris. Really? I was definitely, Eris was definitely there for me. In the boss fight in the elevator, yeah. Uh, Maybe she was there for me. All I know is, Red was useless the entire time. Because he had no materia attached, and guess what he can only do when he has no materia attached? Attack, which you can't do when you're on the other side of an elevator. What's more strange is every time he would get a limit break, because I basically just had him throw grenades the whole time, because that's apparently more effective for him, even though he has no hands. But whatever, I guess he can... He's just putting them in his mouth and, like, spitting them out. Uh, Apparently. So I just... The five grenades that I bought way back at the beginning of this entire section, just because I was like, cool, grenades, I'm going to buy five of them. I don't know what they're for. I bought them for this section specifically because I've had like three more battles since I've had a save point at this point, and there hasn't been a save, and the game's just like, oh, you got to do this now? Because before that, I had to fight Reno, or not... Not Reno, I had to fight Rufus or who, I don't know. All I know is I had like three fights in a row, all culminating to this, and I had to use Barrett, Eris, and Red. Red had nothing. Barrett, I mean, he could attack from long range, so I basically never had him do anything but that and the occasional lightning bolt. And then Eris was basically just constantly flooding magic, except I couldn't have her flood magic because everybody else kept dying because of it doing this super attack. All I know is I really, really hate this whole constantly splitting everybody up thing. Which is interesting because, again, literally, as soon as you get out of Midgar, never happens again. They all stick together and you just go. No, it isn't. Yeah, He immediately, Barrett immediately goes, hey, we should all split up. And they yeah, do that. And then- as soon as you get to the first town, that never happens again. And the first town is like a 30-second walk. If they do this whole thing, this splitting up thing, I'm going to be so angry. Because it's like, oh, well, Cloud needs to fight Rufus by himself. And Tifa's like, I'll just wait for him. What? Come help me out! Are you kidding me? Well, Cloud just needs to do this. And I know that wasn't said. And, and hold up a second. I mean, we're skipping basically everything, but how messed up is Hojo? Dude, that guy has some real issues. Yeah, so if you were going to point to a specific person who is the villain, as opposed to Sephiroth, it's Hojo. Hojo wants to save two species by having them be very polite with one another in front of him in a giant tube. Mind you, two species that are going extinct that have nothing to do with one another. So what was Hojo's plan here? Does he just assume that everything on this planet 
can be polite with everything else and that result in a child, as advanced as they seem to be, there's no way Hojo thought that that would have worked. At the end of the day, Hojo's responsible for almost everything bad that happens in that game. So, like I said, if there's literally one person who is the actual villain, it's Hojo in that game. Well, so is he a good villain then? I think he's a better villain than Sephiroth. <laughs> what about Shinra? Again, well, but because both of them, I think, are better in the sense that, like, they work better with the concept of what the story is about. Sephiroth just kind of, I mean, he's involved in the story, but at the same time, he's still just kind of there. But how do you know what the developers intended? You're inferring that that's what it's all about, but how do you know what the developers intended? Okay, well, now we're getting into the whole philosophy of death of the author and stuff like that, which is an entirely different thing. And everybody has kind of a different opinion on, and yeah, your opinion of that is going to make a big difference about a lot of things. Because if you believe that when a work is released, it belongs, like, what the author intended to say is more important, or what the audience takes from it is more important, that's an entire philosophical debate that comes up a lot, in a lot of contexts. But, like, basically the entire concept of criticism, or, like, even what this podcast is doing, is more or less relying on the assumption that whatever the author intended, this is how we took it. But on some standpoint, I still think that what the author originally intended has some merit in the argument. Sure, and it's worth discussing it, but at the same time, that like it's like, you know, with satire, if people read it and don't realize it's satire, then generally it's bad satire because you didn't actually convey the point you wanted to convey. You know what I mean? So... That's the sort of So really thing. what you're saying is overall Final Fantasy VII is just bad. No, I am definitely not saying that at all. I really like Final Fantasy VII, but I think the plot has a lot of issues. You'd... And that's that is not a controversial opinion because there's a lot of people who say that. Oh I I agree that the plot definitely has some holes. Of what I know of the plot, it's very convoluted, but a lot of Final Fantasies are. It's true. Seven was notoriously bad for a variety of reasons. I know there's supposed to be a lot of content that was cut, which is probably, you know, a lot of how they're going to help make up some of that extra time. Obviously, they didn't cut hundreds of hours that this thing is going to wind up being by the time all the parts are out. But I'm sure that there's, you know, concepts and stuff that they had wanted to get to that they didn't, that they're expanding on in the remake, which is probably the part of the remake that makes me the most interested overall. That's assuming that they extend everything in the same way. Because if they just say that there's a lot of Midgar stuff we didn't get to that we really wanted to, that's a way different argument. Because then that just implies that a lot of the Sethiroth stuff, when you're tracking him down and whatever, a lot of that could just be a giant rehash. I'm sure that they're going to way flesh out more of all the other characters Well, like, I think there's going to be some stuff that, like, some of the things about Cloud's backstory and stuff will probably come up in this first game. It's probably going to be part of where they get that extra extra content and stuff. But I do think the Midgar section is probably the section that has the most room to be fleshed out, too, though. Because as far as the plot is concerned, a lot happens in Midgar compared to later sections. It's not that there's no plot, but, like... There's a lot that goes on in Midgar. And who's versus, to say that they don't just have two games? I mean, that's possible, but like, even that would be a lot of game in one thing comparatively. And maybe that is what they're going to do, but 
even would, Square I, I, doesn't seem like they really know what the overall plan is. Yeah. Which I think is a bigger problem. I agree. Well, I, I, honestly, I think the bigger problem is going to be when you think about something like this, I'm, I'm fully expecting that each part is going to be a little bit worse than the last one. And when I say that, what I'm getting at is how many sales is this remake going to do, right? I, I'm sure it's going to be a lot, but the point is any release after this, they have to expect they are going to sell no more than they sold of the last one. So budgets are probably going to get progressively smaller. While I agree with you, look at how much they milked the Final Fantasy 15 cow. I really... They said that this took them as long as it did because they really wanted to do right by both the fans and the Final Fantasy VII series itself. Yeah, and and maybe they will. And I mean, like, they're guaranteeing some massive amount of sales initially for Part 1, if nothing else, because everybody has been wanting this for such a long time. But But that also means that that doesn't necessarily mean that the first game is not going to sell any more than the first game because assuming this game does really well because people just go out and buy it because Final Fantasy 7, the exact same people are going to go out and buy it because Final Fantasy 7 Remake Part 2 plus potentially additional customers when they're like, oh, well, more of the overall story is released, a.k.a. the fifth or, or whatever installment that they have of it. I mean, who's to say that they don't just DLC it and make DLC packs of the next sections? It's possible, but if they're going to be that large, they're not going to be able to get away with DLC because they're just not going to have enough for like system storage. Yeah, I mean, that would be a good point. I mean, except for the fact that you can buy like six, seven terabyte hard drives now. Okay, but what about people who are on like an original PlayStation 4 still? <laughs> well, and that'll be their fault. <laughs> When they don't upgrade to the PlayStation 5 or whatever it is, which is probably going to have a ridiculous amount of storage. Because by the time this comes out, there's def- the PlayStation 5 will already be there. And yes, they'll definitely do backwards compatibility or whatever. At least they better. I've heard that the 5 is supposed to be backwards compatible with the 4, but I haven't actually seen that. That's just something I had heard. Yeah, Apparently I've, the I've Xbox, heard that on the- multiple... I've heard that all the next-gen consoles are basically like... Yeah, I mean, if we want to continue to make money, we really kind of have to do that because not everybody is always going to buy the most recent. Right. And well, so nobody wants I, to keep their same systems over and over and over. What I had heard was the new Xbox is supposedly going to be doing basically the same thing they eventually did with the One and going all the way back to the original Xbox. And last I had heard, I think I heard, read the Five was going to have the Four and the Three, but not the Two and the One. Because it's just they're so old at this point, but I'm not actually 100% on that. I I have no... I wouldn't... All I know is I know that they're supposed to be backwards compatible. Because that was one of the big things that I really cared about. Because when I buy a PlayStation 5 or an X, Xbox One, Xbox One, Xbox S... Xbox Next. <laughs> yeah, Xbox... Xbox One, X, S, X, One Box or whatever they call it next... I don't know why they keep adding stuff onto it, but I'm pretty sure, like, you can basically make the code name Xbox Xbox, which is the next Xbox. Because they had Xbox One, Xbox One X, Xbox... You can basically... I don't know. It's just really weird. I don't know why the Xbox One X acronym's down to Xbox, which I feel like they did that on purpose. Yeah. So, it's just Xbox Xbox. (laughs) Xbox Xbox! And then next they'll have Xbox Xbox Xbox. Then Xbox, 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 
And then it'll eventually just get to a point where it's, I mean, I can't say Xbox more than twice. Can you? Xbox, 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 It's a tongue twister, man. You can't do it. Anyway, we should probably just get back to the actual plot. <laughs> just real quick. Xbox, 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 Xbox. What? Xbox, 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 Xbox. Okay, well, if I go slightly slower, I can do it. Which, this game's not going to come out on Xbox for a year, at least. So, I mean, at this point, if if we go down through the entire story, it's just going to be a whole nother episode. So, I guess the real question is, do you really just want to fixate on certain plot points? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I expected this was going to go anyway. So... Because mostly this is really going to be about a comparison of the two, which is going to be difficult because there's basically just going to be basic comparisons. Because it's, unless they go a completely different direction and make a whole different other side story or whatever, but then there's going to be like all these side missions and stuff. Did you, I'm assuming you did this because you would have known, but I had no idea that if I didn't steal the kid's $5, he would give me a turbo ether. I had no clue. Yeah. Because he was like, oh, I'm sick. Oh, there's money. And I saw the five gil and I'm like, I have so much money. I could go kill a monster right now and get five gil. There's no reason for me to take this kid's money. And then later I came back because I was looking for the wall market and I had no idea that where we were at was the wall market. Where I was at before when uh, I got Cloud to, or when I got Dawn to pick me. Which that is going to be really interesting in the remake. And I know it's in there because they made a big point to mention that was going to be in there, but like... That's going to be interesting. They're really... Yeah, that... I mean, the thing is, I don't think we're the two guys to be able to talk about that, but... No, absolutely. They really need to dance on coals during that section, because... Yeah, like, I'm, I'm very nervous about that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're definitely not the right people to, to have that conversation, but uh, I'm a little worried. <laughs> I'm like, uh... Okay, I don't necessarily know if that holds up, but I guess if you do it in a somewhat tasteful way, I don't know. I I wouldn't even know what the tasteful way to do that would be, uh, because I just don't know enough. It was. I am not sure that there is going to. Yeah, like I I I, I guess we'll see what they do, but I don't know how you would do that in a tasteful or appropriate manner. I will say this game is way darker than I thought it was. Way, way yeah. darker than I thought. Well, again, at least in the... In the Midgar section, yeah. specifically. I don't know if it keeps dark themes after that, but... I mean, it's still dark, because, again, you know, it's the end of the world or whatever, but it's more, I guess, what you would call traditional dark, because it's like the end of the world, oh no, and stuff, and it's less, uh, yeah, the, the sort of things that I know you're about to talk about. Well, because this whole Dawn section, after you find Eris again and you escape and everything then you find that Tifa is we think she's being abducted right and she's taken to Don's whole mansion or whatever and basically we have to get in by Cloud refuses to let Aerith uh, go alone and so then he, he needs to dress up as well so he can get in there but when you get down there, 
they mention how, oh, well, he takes three girls every single day and then chooses one of them to be his bride or whatnot. I'm like, well, wait, every day? What happens to him after they're his bride? I don't think the bride part happened every day. I think he, he always took a girl every day, but this time he was looking for a bride was how I took it. But that could just be me trying to make it not as terrible as it could have been. What What's really insane is that if they're taking a girl because they don't know that Tifa's there for a specific reason. So they take this girl and instead of having her wait in the lobby, they have her wait in a polite dungeon. Yeah. And it's like, uh, wouldn't you, assuming you're bringing a girl to be a potential wife to this Dawn, wouldn't you want her to have some night, night, a good first impression? Yes. I was going to say naivete, but that doesn't, I don't know if that was really the right word for it. And it's like, so you take her to a polite dungeon and just leave her there. And then you're like, oh, hey, there's two more that have shown up. Let's just leave them to their own devices. Then we go down there and it's very clear what's about to happen. And then so Don goes, oh, well, I choose this one. And you guys just get the other two. Uh... Okay, so we know Don is an evil guy, and I hope I get the opportunity to kill him later. Because if this had been the Witcher series, I definitely would have murder death that guy. So I'm hoping that there's a potential for murder death later, or maybe Shinra kills him because he gave up all their information. Either way, that guy's gotta go. But I was not expecting that to be as dark as it was. Now, imagine what happens if you don't get picked. Uh, I can only imagine that they uh, assault you and... Yeah, they take you into a side room, and there's a whole thing where they just follow you around making, like, gropey hand motions as best as they could do with that graphics era, and until you basically get to the point where you're like, I'm done with this and decide to go fight them all. But they lock you in the room and just, like, follow you around trying to cop feels on you repeatedly. Yeah, I, uh, it was way darker than I thought it was going to be. I, I guess let's just put it at that. I wasn't expecting it to be that bad. I also wasn't expecting... Life is pretty rough in Midgar. Yeah, clearly, because I wasn't expecting all the Avalanche people to die that weren't main party members. I was like, oh, jeez... Yeah, and then, like, that's... Kind of wish I I wasn't a jerk to these people, even though it wasn't my decision to be a jerk. Kind of where it comes back to, like, and then you leave, and you can't even get back into Midgar until the very end of the game, and that's only assuming you do the right side quest stuff. So, like, it's so weird, because, again, it's like, I guess we're done, and then we just never think about this again. If you don't do the right side quest, you can't even get back into Midgar... Nope, you just go back to that door that's locked, and you just can't get in. There's one part briefly near the very end of the game where you go back in for one sequence, and that's it. Otherwise, the only way to get in is if you complete the right side quest and find the way back in. Wow. So literally, it's like Midgar just doesn't happen anymore. It's one of the weirdest things, because you're out, and if you walk into it on the world map, you just come back to that closed door where they left at the very end there, and that's it. You just that's the only screen you can get to. Well, maybe they're going to just destroy all of Midgar 
Maybe they're like, yeah, we're going to extend it because you're basically going to blow up all of Midgar by the end of the first game. Like, yeah, the one thing we were really missing in the first game was the destruction of the entire city. (laughs) Why on earth would they start a new city when they already have this one? It just doesn't make any sense. We've just got to blow it all up. What is the... I figured out what all did. The all materia, which... At first, I had no idea what it actually did, but it only seems to happen the first time you use the spell. As all levels up, you can do it more times. But what does element do? What? What does the materia elemental do? I think that's another blue one, right? Yeah, it's another blue one. Yeah, blue ones are always support, and they only do something if they're linked to another one, and I'm pretty sure the elemental one either gives you like, that element to your attack or defense, if whatever element you link it with. Okay. So, like, if you attached it with fire on your sword, you would get fire elemental attacks. Interesting. Or become resistant to fire damage if you did it in your armor. It didn't really super explain that. Yeah, the, the, the materials all have different colors based on what it is they do. Well, I figured that out, and I figured out that sense and steel... I actually could never get steel to work. I don't know if maybe that's just not I just don't have the right person or what. I could never I mean, partially steal some of anything. that, but also I'm pretty sure it's stat based and you're just your stats are really crappy because you're level like eight. Because I <laughs> I tried to have Tifa steal everything and it wasn't working. I mean of the party members you have, Tifa's probably the best choice other than maybe red. Well, I didn't you have, have red at the time. No, I know, but I mean like of the characters that you would have available by the end of the Midgar section because I'm pretty sure it's, like, dexterity-based. Which I kind of assumed. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, yellow materia gives you additional commands to do. Green is always magic. Blue is always support that requires it to be attached to something else. And then purple are passives. Well, then I guess that begs the question is, from a materia standpoint, do you only get experience for it successful, or do you get experience for it... Period. You don't even have to, you don't even have to use it. You get experience if you have it equipped at the end of the fight. Got it. Well, that's that's significantly better because actually, like when you look at the battle status screen at the end, it tells you EXP and AP, and then the AP is the material experience. Okay, and that every, I never figured out. Every piece of material you have equipped gives you that. And actually, as you go further into the game and get more equipment options, like one of the things. Like, there's equipment that will, like, increase the amount of experience that Materia gets if you put it in that and stuff. So, like, I think you can get as much as, I want to say, like, everybody has, like, one piece of gear for each character that gives you, like, triple Materia growth. Okay. If you put Materia in that thing. And then, like, everybody's ultimate weapon is zero Materia growth, which super sucks. Ugh. Yeah. That's terrible. Why? So, yeah, I don't know. Just That's just the way it is. When any Materia you put in there just doesn't get any experience points. And what's really interesting is if you get a materia to max level, you get another one of that materia immediately. I'm assuming at level one. Yeah, it comes back at level one, but like, so you can have, you could have everybody in the party have Bahamut zero if you wanted, if you were willing to do that. That is amazing. And that's exactly what I shall do. Also with the all materia, I think it's like L1 or R1, but there's a button you can push that turns off the all part of the capability if you don't actually want to use it. I also noticed that there are new buttons, so like times three, and you can set no encounters. I thought that was really weird. You can just straight up set, yeah, I don't want any encounters. Yeah, see, there must have been like more enhancements they did with the with the updates. Maybe that's 
maybe they're like, oh, this is another Skies of Arcadia situation where every five seconds there's an encounter. No, thank you. I never actually used it because I just wanted to level up. Yeah, I mean, I never, I pretty much never turn off, like never even mess with encounter rates at all in RPGs just because I'm always like, eh, I could use the experience, but also I don't really want to fight any more than I have to, so I just kind of, oh, there's a fight, I guess I'm doing it now. The only time I really did that was Final Fantasy X, specifically so I could get all the monsters to make the ultimate monster. Right. Or, like, again, also in ten when you're doing the lightning bolt thing. Oh, yeah, which when I, you turn it off. Which I have still never been able to do, by the way. Yeah, we, we and never will because I... Too. No, I know, I was just mentioning because, like, I've played 10 a little bit since then just because i really like 10 and sometimes i would go like work towards building for the ultimate aeons and stuff and just play a little bit and then i was like yep still can't do this and i will never try this again because holy cow do you just want me to get it for you at this point i think my playstation 3 is broken so i would have to completely start the game over on a different system and i don't know that i want to do that right now but if it comes to it yes you didn't buy final fantasy 10 2 for the switch no, because I already had the remaster on a different console, so I was like, I'm not going to buy it oh, again. I can't believe it. It's so nice being able to just have Final Fantasy with you whenever you want. Yeah, no, I'm. if I was buying it now, I definitely would have done it then. I just didn't. Oh, I've owned it for every single console, because Final Fantasy X, I, I don't know if anything... It is the very first Final Fantasy I ever played, and I just, because of that, it's just... It's always been the best experience for me. I always go back to it as this is one of my favorite games. I mean, as somebody who has played every Final Fantasy, 10 is still one of my absolute favorites. So I'm definitely not. I mean, it's just it's not just the fact that it was your first. I'm sure that helped. But I mean, it's genuinely really good. Yeah, I really like Final Fantasy 10 and I love going back and playing it. Not just for Blitzball, because I know that's what everybody's thinking. <laughs> but also for Blitzball. But not just for that. Yeah, here's the thing. I actually play less Blitzball because I am now, when I play Final Fantasy X, I'm more concerned with powering up and finishing the Sphere Grid because now I have it on the Switch and I can take it wherever I want. I've This is the first time in history that I was ever able to actually do the 200 thing. And I messed it up once when I got to 180 and was still like, "Eh, I'm just going to go ahead and do it and did it again and actually got it. And yes, it was unbelievably annoying. And yes, we've already had this conversation. And yes, I still think it was worth it because (laughs) I love Lulu. She will forever be my ultimate love. Yeah. And it always made me mad because I'm like, She's literally the only character I don't have their ultimate weapon for, or, like, powered all the way up, and it drives me nuts. And she's just the best. You know, I talk about Yennefer, but my true love is Lulu. And I understand she's taken, but, I mean, let's be honest. Waka's a reckless guy, and he's an idiot. He's gonna die soon anyway. And who's (laughs) gonna be there to swoop up the pieces? This guy. Even though, canonically, you're with Nuna. Um, I'm not talking about me as Titus. I'm talking well, I mean, about in that me case, as the Jennifer's also taken. <laughs> All I know is Lulu is my ultimate crush ever. And it's just, you know, there's nothing anybody can do. You know, Tifa guess- cannot win. Jennifer cannot win. Out of all my video game crushes, it will always, always be Lulu. So, I mean, we've gone quite a while as 
far as specific things I'd like to talk about, one thing that was interesting, Seven has a lot of mini games because there's like three even just in Midgar. What? What are you talking about? Well, there's the motorcycle at the very end, right? Oh, I didn't realize. When you were saying a mini game, I thought you meant something you could do over and over and over. You can eventually. Which, by the way, I hated that. I absolutely hated that. The motorcycle? It would be so much better if instead of pressing a different button for left and right, you pressed the same button. But instead, you used the same button and used the directional pad to attack. Because I'm already moving with the directional pad, I don't want to also now think about, oh, I've got to press a different button too. Because it turns about I've been attacking with the right the whole time, and they've been on the left because I just didn't switch my thumb over because I'm more focused on getting over to the left. I really did not like that section. And it's especially bad because I guess a couple things there. Did you realize Eris is driving the car? <laughs> no. Yeah, because she and Tifa get in the front, and in Japan, the steering wheel's on the right, and she sits in the right of the car. Well, what are you trying to imply? It's just interesting, because I'm like, of literally everybody in the car other than Red, she's probably the only person who has never driven before. <laughs> we don't know Tifa's backstory. We don't know if she's driven a car. She's had a bar this whole time. I mean, I can yeah. assume that she's probably driven in the past, but... I just thought that was really funny that they just handed it to the, you know, probably completely untrained teenager, and she's, like, doing this life-or-death escape sequence. The real question is, why was Barrett not helping? You have a gun arm. I know, yeah. Why were you not helping? I get it also, because, oh, well, you have to protect them or whatever, but... What's also really annoying is the damage you take in that minigame actually affects how much health you have for the boss that immediately comes after. Now, see, I didn't actually notice that. I didn't take a ton of damage, but that would be infinitely upsetting. Yeah, no, it like... If you get through that section and you have like one health and you're like, oh, I finally did it, boss, one health, one hit dead. What? Because the first thing yeah. he does is attack all of you because it's one of those back attacks. Yep. Which, if you had Eris in the back row, now she would be in the front row all by herself. I didn't even know that there were rows. Yep. I had no idea that there were just rows. There sure are. And I, I saw that her picture was tabbed over, and I was thinking, that's strange. I don't know why. Maybe because she's special, I guess? Yeah, I mean, that's why. She is an ancient, so maybe her picture just gets to go over there. No idea that there was some front and back row, because... Every single time I've had her in a fight, I've never noticed that she's been behind anyone else. She is. It's hard to tell, depending on the angle. But yeah, there is actually two rows. You can actually, at the right camera angle, you can actually see that she is standing behind them. I'm really glad that that's not going to be an issue in the new game. Because everybody just moves wherever they want all willy-nilly. I can't wait. I really can't wait. Because you can, you can actually... Um have people change rows in the middle of a fight, too, if you need to. Like, the, the row changing was, like, an actual mechanic in 7. Yeah, it's really, it's interesting. And I'm so glad that I don't have to wait. Yeah, because it's very soon. But, yeah, eventually in the main game, you actually can replay those minigames because there's a, uh, there's, like, an arcade in one of the later cities, and 
all the machines are broken and they gradually get repaired as you've done the mini games in the base game and then you can replay the mini games. So what are the other mini games? Well, there was a stupid squat contest. Oh, I didn't like that only because I was hitting the buttons too fast for the game to actually register and I kept messing up and I didn't realize that I was messing up. I'm very glad I did the practice first. Because then I was able to see, oh, you did like six squats. I'm like, no, I didn't. I did like a thousand squats based off of how many times I pressed this. And then I noticed immediately right away that he would go down and then he'd immediately stand back up and just be like, ugh. Like, okay, so I guess I was just pressing it too fast. But where's the other one? I was going to say, I think there's another one. Maybe Maybe it's just the two in Midgar, but there's a lot as the game goes on. There's a snowboarding section later on. Um, that sounds Final Fantasy VII, is Final it, Fantasy VII has a lot of minigames. Do you get to do, like, tricks and stuff? I think there's, like, rings you can go through and stuff for points, if I remember right. It's, it's not as good. I want, like, an SSX tricky. Maybe it'll be expanded. You know, maybe there'll be a whole bunch of... I also well, thought I mean, the motorcycle was just very unnecessary. Where did he get that? Yeah, exactly! Because he rides it down the staircase. Where did he get it? Did he summon it with some materia that we just weren't aware of? Because suddenly he has a motorcycle, and why on earth would Shinra, the company, just have a motorcycle sitting there? Did they just have, like, a car salesman section? Like, floor number five that we didn't get to see was just a whole row of, like, cars and stuff. And so So he's like, cool, let me just blast down the stairs on this motorcycle. Well, like, the second floor has the company store because you can actually go in there and buy items and stuff. And I was actually sitting here trying to think, is there a motorcycle, like, in the background or something in that section, and that's where he got it from, but I don't remember seeing one. That wasn't the second floor, though. That was 60 for me. The company store? Where you could actually buy stuff? I mean, there's a nap room and stuff that's really high up. Did you break in or did you sneak in? I snuck in, but you can go all the way back down to the bottom if you want, and then if you've done the sneak-in way, it doesn't matter, because I did that. And Barrett yells at you, he's like, we just took all those stairs and you're going to go back down? (laughs) Wow. No, I didn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the section I'm talking about that took three hours. I get what they were going for. Yeah, you got to get all the way up to this thing, and you got to do up. Why on earth did I have to walk up every single one of those stairs? You could have had just one scene where Barrett is just complaining constantly, and then Cloud's eventually like, we gotta go, man. Like, this is all for Eris anyway, so like, shut up, sack up, and let's go. There was 60... Why did I have to actually walk up what felt like 60 flights of stairs? Now, I didn't actually count. I'm pretty sure it actually does come out to like 58 flights of stairs, yeah. I didn't actually count either, but I was sort of counting as I went. And I think it's pretty close. That's unbelievably annoying. Well, because once I got to the point where I was getting annoyed, I started a count. And then I'm like, there's no way that's an accurate count because I have, I don't know how long it took me to get annoyed. Right around the time that Barrett was like, why are we still doing this? I'm like, yeah, exactly. Why are we still doing this? This could have just been a video of, okay, fast forward, we're at the top. What was the purpose of that? Just to annoy me? But anyway, yeah, you can take the elevator all the way back down to, like, two. And, yeah, there's a company store there, and they come in, and Barrett, like, 
like shoots all the displays and everybody runs out screaming and then it's like look talks to the uh store person it's like if you keep quiet there'll be some money in it for you and we'll leave you alone and just walk out and it's just like okay please never come back but yes please buy whatever you want wow and then when you fin- when you finish the transaction she's like please come again actually forget i just said that i will say at the end of the day shinra has a business to run that's the thing, like, it's really interesting, and I was thinking a lot about, like, the differences between, like, Japanese corporate culture and American corporate culture, because, There you were know, especially stuff in there. Well, that's what I was going to say, like, Shinra's an evil corporation, but they treat their employees better than, like, pretty much any American company does. Yeah, so how can you sit there and say that they're an evil corporation just because they're destroying the planet? Do they, The real question is, do they actually know that they're destroying the planet, or are they just oblivious and dumb? Because if they actually believed they were destroying the planet in the process, then yeah, I would say that they are super evil. But do they actually know that for a fact? I mean, the one guy seems only concerned about spaceships. (laughs) Palmer. The other guy actually has a pulse and understands that, hey, destroying an entire section is probably not a good idea. Yeah. Reeves. Yeah. I remember all the Shinra executives, which is kind of sad. Hojo is not an executive, but just the weirdest creep dude well, that's he's the ever head of existed. He's the head of R&D, so he's, I mean, he wasn't in the executive meeting, but he's pretty close to an executive if he isn't one. Okay. And then there's Scarlet and Heidegger and President Shinra, and who is now Rufus. Yeah, but who was that other guy? There was a... There was a military dude in there, too, wasn't there? That's Heidegger. Well, who is the guy that cared about all the ships? That's uh, Palmer is the guy who cares about the ships, who runs the space department. Oh. I do find it funny that the mayor helps you out. And the whole time, he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, what was it? What was the code for you? Does it actually change? I think it's always best. Well, mine was bombs, so. Oh, okay, then it's not. (laughs) And then he says this thing about how he loves bombs. Yeah, I guess it is different then, because no, I had bomb. That was my word. Mine was best. Interesting. But, yeah, all the Shinra executives are interesting, and they all show up as, like, recurring characters as you go, but very infrequently, because Shinra, I mean, is still around and has a presence in the other areas, but not at all like they do in Midgar. Well, so I guess that's the question is, does Shinra power everything or just Midgar? Midgar is just like a town that Shinra completely owns, but they are basically the monopoly on power generation throughout the world. And that's because of the whole Mako energy. Yes. Exactly. Because pretty much every town has a Mako reactor. Okay. But it's interesting because, like... I mean, one of the executives even is a party member at some point. Like, there's a lot of stuff that happens with the Shinra executives. I know. Reeves is the cat Yeah, Kate Sith. Yeah. It's basically just a robot. And he feels bad about everything that he's done. And so he decides to help you. Yeah. yeah. So, like like I said, I mean, I do know a lot of the story. It helps that I watch the Rooster Teeth, or not Rooster Teeth, uh, Team Four Star playthrough um machina abridged that they did mm-hmm. yeah because i i always like their dbz abridged yeah team four stars really good and i guess people for the longest time were like really mad at them because toriyama was like yeah i don't really care about or yeah i don't really want them to do that because it's whatever 
I'm like, I, I, I get that because they're kind of making fun of your characters and everything like that, especially what they did to Goku. But at the end of the day, it's just like a funny thing that they did. And whether you agree or disagree that it's the wrong, that you shouldn't do that to somebody else's character is one thing. But at the end of the day, they were still entertaining. But I know eventually they stopped, but now they do. Yeah. Basically the exact same thing, but with video games, which somehow yeah. people are okay with versus the television show. Maybe it's just because when you play a game, you're actually doing something, but the amount of work that they would have had to put in to make all of their extra speech stuff actually look right is an insane amount of work as well. So yes, well, they're taking like some, the- something that somebody else did, but... But at the exact same time, they're putting their own spin on it, and they're putting a ton of work into it. Well, also, I mean, like, within video games, the concept of, like, Let's Plays and stuff has been around for such a long time that that's just kind of an accepted part of the culture. Those sorts of things in a way that it isn't as much. But, I mean, regardless, I don't disagree. Like, I really enjoyed DBZ Abridged, and it was one of the only abridged series I actually liked. So. um, Yeah, I've seen other... You you can definitely tell when they first started, it was way rough. Oh, yeah. I mean, but that's but like, like anything. anything. Yeah, you get better with time. And rough in a sense that a lot of the jokes they were making was very childlike. I'm pretty sure it's because when they started doing it, they were all like high schoolers or in college or whatever. So you definitely has a younger yeah. mentality to it. And they got obviously way more mature and everything as time went on it's just one of those things where it's like it's kind of a gray area on whether people think it's acceptable to do that or not and i'm certainly not the guy who as somebody who's only ever created this podcast you know if something took this podcast and took all of my words out of context and made me sound really stupid i would probably be like yeah that sucks but it's not like there's much i can do about it I mean, yeah, I'm sure I could copyright strike them or anything like that, but if they put a ton of effort into making me sound dumb, I mean, I can make myself sound dumb anyway. (laughs) And for a lot less effort, that's just our natural state. Yeah, I I just am already dumb. So if they put even more work into making me sound even more dumb, unless they're making me say, like, insane stuff, and then I kind of be... If they're like, like, hey, the... Video games cover to cover conspiracy podcast where it basically they take every single one of my words, deep fake it to make it sound like I'm some crazy conspiracy guy. I mean, which <laughs> talking about this almost kind of makes you sound like one. Yeah, I would kind <laughs> of have a problem with that, but <laughs> or you know, like the really, really crazy stuff, like having them turn around and say that you love Chris. I'll copyright strike that immediately. <laughs> There's, I. Never. I'm pretty sure at one point I said I liked Triss. (laughs) But if they changed every episode to basically have me marry Triss, no. Listen, people, I got a problem with that. You know, it's always going to be Lulu in the end anyway. But Yennefer, in my opinion, is far better than Triss overall in that series. What if they made you say you love Waka? Andrew, now that is just something that I will not accept as a reality. Uh, The fact that you would even suggest somebody would do that (laughs) kind of seems like you're inviting it. And 
so what's going on is like if you ever say that phrase that'll be like the signal that everybody knows that you've been kidnapped and send help immediately (laughs) i just i am so upset and so angry that you would even suggest that anyone take their time and energy into making me say (laughs) what a a terrible statement (laughs) because i would never ever bring myself to say those words in succession was there anything else specifically final fantasy 7 about this first section that you kind of wanted to go into because just fast forwarding real quick through the story there's the we didn't really super dive into eris being an ancient or whatever but that doesn't well that only really even gets talked about it. they don't even really establish what that means yet other than just she is one yeah. And the only one. Oh, there is if one she thing. she can talk to the planet. Yeah, let, there is something I wanted to bring up. Okay. It's basically just more on Eris in general, because you reminded me of the planet thing as well. So the parallels to Final Fantasy X and Final Fantasy VII, I didn't know that Eris was just straight up talking to the planet and everything. How is that any different than the Albed, or not Albed, the Guado? going into the Fade and talking to their dead people. I mean, maybe that's basically what she, if, if you want to make that connection, then, you know, maybe that she's the basically the last of what were that. Because she basically said that, hey, by the way, don't be sad, Mom, but your husband just died. I mean, she said very close to you, and she's like, yeah, I didn't believe it. Like, you didn't believe it after her mom said that you were like an ancient or whatever. And, you know, you said that you've constantly heard her talking to the planet or whatever. You didn't believe any of that. You didn't believe her when she said that then. But then as soon as you got the letter, you were like, oh, so it turns out she is a superhero. (laughs) Although if anyone was like, let's put myself in this mother, Seuss. Hey, uh, sorry, mom, but your dad, your your husband's dead. So three days later, you get a letter saying your husband's dead. I'm surprised that that mom didn't freak out a little bit more than she did, and wasn't like, "Hey, Eris, uh, that's a little weird that you did that. Um, can we have a little bit more explanation to what's going on here? Because that's kind of messed up." And I thought that was uh, they just kind of glossed over it. Like, ah, well, she's just a superhero and just can. She's the kid from Sixth Sense. She can talk to dead people. She can do whatever she needs. <laughs> and she's just the MacGuffin of this story of, hey, I need this. My, my husband's. Oh, no. I don't know. I don't really know where I was going with that. All I really know is I would definitely be a little freaked out and be like, hey, I don't know if there's therapists in this world, but I would definitely take my kid to one in this. I feel instance. like there probably has to be, right? I mean, the real question is whether somebody in the slums of Midgar can get to one. Because I guess if you already live in a magical world where materia exists, you're just like, yep, okay, my daughter has superpowers. That's cool. I mean, I guess she was adopted to begin with, so she definitely could have superpowers, but I'd be like, <laughs> yeah. so can you fly and like <laughs> just chuck her off of a table or something and be like, ah, you the only way you'll learn how to fly is by kicking you out of the nest. <laughs> and then Eris is like, no, I can't fly. Like in the middle of the Spartan kick. 
It's just off a table, so she's going to be fine, but... <laughs> yeah, but Spartan kick? Like, that's going to hurt. Well, her husband had just died. <laughs> a man has died, Andrew. <laughs> She's gonna Spartan kick her to see if she could fly too. She's like, are laser beams gonna come out of your eyes? Like, what's next? Can you tell me what my husband has to say? No, he tried to make it here, but he just didn't get it. And he didn't get here in time, and then he just went back to the planet. What? You're a crazy person. We need to get you to a therapist ASAP. <laughs> I also thought it was funny that before Tifa knew that it was you in that dress. She comes down and she's like, oh, Eris, you know, nice to meet you. We, we haven't met yet. And she's like, yeah, we, Cloud and I saw you. And she goes, oh, you were the girl with Cloud? Oh, yeah, but it's nothing. It means, he means nothing to me. And she's like, oh, well, why does he mean something to you? And she's like, no, he's nothing. He's garbage. <laughs> and then it's like, and then Eris goes, oh, poor Cloud. We're sitting here telling him that he's nothing. And he's standing right over there, and Tifa's like, wait, what? (laughs) I just love how everyone's crapping all over Cloud, and he's right there just going, oh. Oh. Everyone hates me. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought that kind of real, that intersection there was kind of funny. There's some pretty good, um, a lot of the character interactions in Seven, I think, are really interesting, just because they have a lot of, even the stuff that's sort of, you know, like the the love triangle angle, which is, you know, pretty cliche or whatever, like there's, the characters have enough personality that it feels a little more fun, interesting than a lot of the games that I mean, you know, like, like we said earlier, how Cloud and Barrett really don't seem to like each other at the beginning and stuff. Like, it's just, it, the, the party dynamics are really interesting compared to a lot of other RPGs. Well, and that's... It's, I was actually enjoying Final Fantasy XV because now I haven't played the whole thing and I haven't beaten it or whatever, but essentially from the very beginning, you're already getting married. It's like you don't have to worry about a relationship because you're already getting married. And it was kind of nice to just not have a relationship for once. Instead, you just get to dude bro it out into this massive adventure. I was still annoyed that you couldn't have a female party member because apparently, I guess if there's a female party member, you have to potentially date her. But since you're getting married, you can't do that. The weird thing about Final Fantasy 15 is the beginning of the game is really like it starts out really strong. And then like halfway through, I'm just like, oh, it like it just like goes downhill real fast halfway. It's a shame. I'm wondering if it's just because they kind of ran out of because it was. That game was massive. I mean, the open world was humongous. Until it stops being a thing, which is where it goes downhill really quick. I didn't know that the open world stops being a thing. Yeah. So, you know how everybody complains about, like, in Final Fantasy X and thirteen, how, like, the first half of the plus of the game is just, like, you just walk from one area to the next and you don't have any say where you go because you don't get the airship to, like, the very end and stuff? Yeah. Fifteen literally flipped that around. You have this huge open world. And then once you get to a point, it's just all corridors after that. Ugh. Can you go back to the open world later at the end? I don't think so. Ugh. No. So it's literally like a really cool first half, and then a second half that's like, ugh. Because tracking, <laughs> doing those monster missions were awesome. Tracking that 
oh, giant hell monster thing, like a Bahamut type thing, but the behemoth. Yeah, fighting that thing was so cool. It's like you gotta follow it back to its lair, and there's this definite sense of dread. It's the thing from the demo. Doing stuff right. like that was so awesome. It's like later on when you're sneaking behind that bird thing because you're definitely not strong enough to fight it yet. Doing that kind of stuff in the open world was so much fun, and I was really enjoying that. Then I just got obsessed with leveling and beating the monsters at night because I'm like, I have to be a high enough level that I can fight anything at night because I don't want to be in a situation where I have to spend all my experience points. I want to be able to keep moving, but I don't want to have to spend all my EXP because that's just annoying. Because in Final Fantasy 15, every time you went and slept, then you spent your experience. But if you slept at certain spots, you would get like times three experience. So me, it makes the most sense to rack up as much XP as possible in the beginning of the game and only ever sleep during certain points, so that because it costs like 10 grand or whatever at the time to actually get all that. And I'm like, well, I don't have all that money, even though I'm apparently the son of the king, and I can't stay in the inn or whatever for free. So I just never ended up using the tent or cooking or anything like that. I basically never did any of those things because I was so concerned with constantly being optimal with my exp <laughs> that does sound a lot like you yes. well and i and it's just i hate when you put a mechanic in there like that only because it's like for my play style it makes the most sense to me to not just sleep constantly because i want to get the bonus the times three bonus for my experience like that just makes sense otherwise i'm just wasting my time it's like I'm wasting all of these levels that I could potentially be getting if I would just do the, the flip times side three. of that is all the time that you're wasting running around at a lower level with fights taking a lot longer trying to get the money to go sleep. But I had the money to sleep only for like two or three times. So I had to parcel that money out over multiple days. I don't I think at one point I had been up through the entire first section, and I never went to sleep until I got to that bridge at the very end where it gives you the times three. And it's just every day and every night, I was constantly out there fighting things to get experience. Wow. To me, it just makes sense to not waste experience like that. If there's a times three experience boost, it just, it's a waste to not use it at its maximum potential. Why would I spend all my experience to level up a couple of times when I could spend all of my experience and level up like 10 times is way more satisfying for me. But then it's the same thing that I do with skill points. It's just, I love when there are options like that. I just hate the fact, I hate the way I play games because of the way that I do. Th like it, it just feels wrong to me not to do it in the optimal way. And if I find out that I've been doing something wrong for a while, it always just upsets me. Like, there's this idle game that, that Andrew and I have been playing, and for the longest time, I was doing a couple of things wrong, and I'm like, I've wasted weeks of my time 
doing it wrong. That feels horrible. It's just... But on that note... <laughs> it's just the way I play games, and I... Yeah. Well, so I guess the last question I have for you then, Chris, is what are you expecting when we go into the remake from here? Having just freshly played the Midgar section of the original game. I don't know what to expect because I have no idea how they're going to extend that. Unless it becomes one of those things where getting to that point... Because rarely... I don't know. Because if, if it takes that long... If they take 60 hours to get out of Midgar, extending that section by 10, I I just don't know what they're going to do. I really don't know what they're going to do. And it sounds like they're just going to, you know, extend the story out and basically tell the story that they wanted to the first time. Yeah, I mean, this first game is obviously all going to be about Avalanche fighting Shinra. And so, like I said, in that sense, I'm very excited because that's the part I'm most interested in. But... I'm hoping you can kind of like maybe like take the train to the different sectors of the city and stuff and just kind of see because you only see like a couple really small sections of Midgar. I really hope just because at this point that they just abandon the whole Shinra thing in general and it's just Sethroth the whole time. He just immediately shows up. He's the president. He's President Shinra (laughs) just to annoy you. Well, no, I'm fully expecting that they're going to integrate Sephiroth way more because he's such a popular character, and I'm really dreading that. Like, legitimately. Wow. I mean, if they do it well and they make him feel better, then great, I'll be happy, but I'm not expect like, I'm just expecting that he's just going to show up a lot more in a way that I'm not going to be happy with. Oh, man. This poor Andrew, one of the most popular characters of all time, is going to show up in a video game, and he just doesn't happen to like him. And on that note... I did think uh, it was odd that Cloud's immediately like, oh, it has to be Sethroth because that's his sword and there's no one else that can hold his sword. What? What are you talking about? You have a sword that's admittedly not as long, but like at least three to four times the thickness. Dude, and you're one-handing it and twirling it all over the place and everything... Uh, pretty sure if you picked up that sword, it'd be, like, way easier to wield, because now I know I didn't have the 8-foot version, or whatever it actually was from a Sethroth perspective, but Cloud Sword, logistically, was way heavier than, than, is it Masamune. the Masamune? Yeah, it is. I wasn't sure if that was it, and I didn't want to say the wrong thing, because I know the Masamune is, like, the big sword from... Final Fantasy, t- like, I know it's in, in every single game there's a Masamune, but I know it as Aran Sword, which it goes from a super giant, a massive sword to, like, just a long sword. Long yeah, it's usually one of the... Sword. Seven is interesting, because a lot of the things that are typically, like, things that you get as, like, in-game stuff you don't have access to because Sephiroth has them instead, because, like, the Meteor spell is a spell that is typically very you know, very late game damage, but in this one, it's like gigantic world ending and Sephiroth has it. (laughs) But then they they give you a spell called Comet instead, which is literally the same thing. (laughs) I just thought that I'm like, Cloud, bro. In one of the flashbacks, Kid Tifa literally picks it up. Yes, we saw that. She picks it up and sure, she wouldn't be able to wield it, but 
Kid Tifa could also sneak up behind somebody and stab someone with a giant sword. It's like, dude, what are you talking about? Anyone can pick a... Maybe they can't wield it one-handed. Anyone could pick up that sword two-handed and just stab somebody with it. Especially considering the president of Shinra does not look like he is in the best of shape. Pretty sure he wouldn't be able to get away. He doesn't seem very spry from what I saw. <laughs> yeah. So it's hard to give me my expectations. I... That's fair. I am more than happy to have more Sethroth. That's fine. I mean, like I said, I knew it was a unpopular opinion when I shared it, and I'm not going to pretend that it's not. I I just personally am not a Sephiroth fan. So maybe they're gonna I, maybe they're gonna venom Sephiroth, and he he's gonna become a good guy now because he's so popular. That I don't even know how the story would go at that point. That would be very interesting. Well, the story is just Shinra is a super bad. It's ex- it's a story you want. Okay. It's the boring story that you want. It's just a bad corporation doing bad stuff, and a a good terrorist organization comes in and takes them out. And Sethroff comes along, too, because he becomes best friends with Cloud. That's my expectation. <laughs> okay. And on that note... Well, you, that what are going- your expectations? <laughs> what do you mean, on that note? I, I already said I'm expecting that they're going to incorporate Sephiroth a lot more since he literally doesn't show up at all except for the hint that he's back in the Midgar section at the very end in the base game, I guarantee you he's going to... He may not physically show up, but there's almost certainly going to be like flashbacks and stuff where he's going to be involved a lot more. So your only Uh, expectation is just dread at the fact that Sephiroth is going to show up. If you let me finish, I also had already said, like, I'm really hoping that, like, they let you explore the entire city and not just a couple small sections because that would be really cool take the train to different sectors or something like that, and that would be a good way to, I you have know, to like assume really... they're going to. There's no way they can have it in just two sections. That wouldn't even make sense. If they were doing an entire game off of six hours of content, it seems like a statistical impossibility that it's only going to be two sections worth. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming you're going to do, you know, operations on most of the reactors. Like, the whole thing's going to be a lot bigger in scope in that sense. And we'll probably get to deal more with some of the, you know, like the Shinra executives and the Turks and these other organizations that get mentioned but barely show up in the context of of the Midgar section. I mean, my guess is, assuming that they do introduce Sethroth earlier, it's most likely just going to be more of stuff from the other games of, not the other game, but the other later sections of the original game of just establishing him as also a bad guy. Well, yeah, like, I mean, I'm expecting it'll probably do, so, like, when you get to the first town in Seven, the one, the very first town after Midgar, Cloud does the whole backstory of how he knows Sephiroth, like, I'm expecting that's going to happen in this game instead, and things like that, like, I... And, and uh, probably, you know, again, completely new content because they'll probably dramatically expand on that just like they expanded on everything else in order to make it 60 hours. But if Sephiroth physically shows up, it'll probably, like, we'll probably actually get to see him, but it won't be until the end of the game. I think if they if they pull that card too early in this section, trying to think of how you're going to end this on a, you know, climactic moment and cliffhanger for the next part, you know, like actually having Sephiroth 
physically be there and having an encounter with him will probably make that better, I think. I would honestly be very surprised if they were going to do that. They're going to make an entire 60-hour game and not have you see Sethoroth once until the end of it. I would be incredibly surprised. Like I said, flashbacks and stuff, I'm talking like the only time he will actually show up, I think, would be at the end. Like, in the present. I, I... that's my hunch. If I'm wrong, which I very well might be, okay, but but that's what that's where I'm getting at where I'm like I feel like I'm expecting that it's going to happen more than that and that's where I'm like I don't know that I like that because I feel like that's what that's a little what I'm worried about. But that's like just because you don't like him from the original game. Who's to say that they don't flesh his character out better and he I mean, becomes if, a if better If they do villain. then then fantastic. I'm doing it the way they're doing it with these multiple part massive games they have a real opportunity to do stuff like that. And honestly, I want to say they had better just because it would feel like such a huge waste for them to not, not just suffer up, but like not to expand on this world so dramatically if they're going to make you spend so much time in it. If they were just doing this as a giant cash grab and extending six hours of content to 60, basically nobody would buy any of the games after this. Because everyone's, if this game is a huge disappointment, no one's going to buy the second one. And maybe that's what they're going for. Maybe they're trying to, maybe they're basically like, yeah, we didn't really want to put the time and energy into an entire game if nobody, if everybody was only going to like the first section of it. So they're like, okay, well, let's massively extend out Midgar because we really wanted to do that in the first place. And let's just see what people do. And if people absolutely love it and it gets a ton of sales or whatever, then yeah, let's green light two more games or however many more games that they would do. It's possible that they're just doing this as a giant test bed to see how well it will do and how well it's received. Yeah. And that is my guess is what they're actually doing. Okay. Well, for real this time on that note, I think that's going to do it for this episode of video games cover to cover. As always, you can find us online on Twitter and on our Discord, and an email. And as always, we will be putting the links to that in the description for the episode. I hate Waka. Waka.